Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 3rd of June 2023. This is Chris and your other readers are Kathy, Jeremy and Pam. And our new reader Gabriella will be joining us in the second half. The editor this week is Eleanor. All our, all our members of Team One. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhampstead and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless otherwise stated. This week's headlines. Hospital cash. The quorum councillor honoured to be chairman. Pub reopens following £300,000 revamp. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Cathy. First of all, we must apologise for the misinformation we gave last week regarding the AGM on 10th of June. It is taking place at the Adifield Community Centre, Queen Square, Hemel Hempstead, and not in Warner's End. We look forward to seeing as many of our listeners as possible at 2pm on Saturday the 10th of June. Tea and cakes will be provided after the business is concluded. Hello, this is Jeremy. Hemel MP Sir Mike Penning has hailed the welcome news that the government said the West Hearts Hospital rebuild will be fully funded. Watford General Hospital's rebuild will be fully funded, the government has said. The hospital in South West Hertfordshire is one of seven in Cohort 3 of the government's National Rebuild and Refurbishment Project, part of a 2019 Conservative Manifesto commitment to build 40 new hospitals by 2030. Conservative MP for Hemel Hempstead, Sir Mike Penning, who has campaigned for a rebuilt hospital outside of Watford Town Centre, closer to patients in Hemel, has hailed the announcement, Welcome News. Announcing the move, Health Secretary Steve Barclay, MP, said, As we celebrate 75 years of the NHS this summer, we must continue to set up its success for 75 years to come. At the heart of this is our new hospital programme, the biggest hospital building programme in a generation, which will help us to deliver on our manifesto commitment to build 40 new hospitals by 2030. And today... I can reconfirm to the House of Commons our commitment for 40 new hospitals to be built by 2030. He said eight hospitals are in the first cohort of the scheme, with two hospitals already open, the Northern Centre for Cancer Care in Newcastle and Royal Liverpool Hospital. Work on Moorfields Eye Hospital in London, which has a satellite clinic in Potter's Bar, is due to start imminently. Hello, this is Pam, continuing that story. Sir Mike Penning had called for the hospital to be built in an alternative location, which is not in Watford Town Centre. He said, I very much welcome this news. I and community action groups such as the New Hospital Campaign Group have been campaigning for a completely new acute hospital for all in West Hertfordshire, and I am delighted that a fully funded, completely new building has been given the go-ahead today. We are understandably disappointed that it will be on the existing Watford site when it is so obvious that a new site, equally accessible from Hemel Hempstead, St Albans and Watford, would have been the more sensible option. But I concede that that battle has now been lost. It is right, though, to welcome this news. 
Watford General has deteriorated to such an extent that a completely new hospital is much needed, and I know that staff and patients alike will be pleased with this news. Councillor Nigel Bell, leader of the Labour groups at Watford Borough and Hertfordshire County Councils, said, We have been waiting years and years for this. We heard original plans towards the end of the Labour government and have been calling for the rebuild to start right through the Boris Johnson and Liz Trust premierships. We are still a long way from anything being built. We need more detail about the plans, when the unit will be completed and when it will open. We cannot wait until 2030 or 2032. Matthew Coates, the WHTH NHS Trust Chief Executive, said, This is fantastic news. Our patients and staff can look forward to a complete transformation in terms of our buildings and the way our services work together. Our staff work so hard in buildings that add challenge to already demanding jobs. I'm so pleased that we will be able to offer a far better working environment and one they can be proud of. Local people can be assured that the new hospital has been designed with the sole priority of delivering our vision, the very best care for every patient every day. Decorum councillor Terry Duris has been elected as the new chairman of Hertfordshire County Council. Conservative councillor Doris, who was the council's executive member for education, libraries and lifelong learning before taking the role, takes over from councillor Annie Brewster. The chairmanship is a non-political role, similar to a traditional town mayor. Unlike the leader of the council, which is the councillor in charge of the political administration. Councillor Doris will chair the meetings of the full county council and be the council's civic representative. In nominating him to be chairman, leader of the county council, councillor Richard Roberts said, the Bridgewater councillor has been a significant figure in the county. First elected to the county council 12 years ago, councillor Doris continues to serve as a councillor at Decorum Borough Council too. Seconding Councillor Duris's nomination, Deputy Council, Lead, Council Leader, Councillor Fiona Thompson, highlighted his energy, enthusiasm and sense of fun, his tremendous wit and great knowledge. And following the meeting, Councillor Duris said, to be elected to the position of chairman by so many county councillors, colleagues, is an honour. I hope to use my time in office to promote our wonderful county, highlighting both the exceptional people and organisations who make Hertfordshire the best county in the country. At the meeting, councillors praised the contribution made by Councillor Annie Brewster during her time as chairman. Addressing Councillor Brewster, Councillor Roberts said, you have been everywhere, you have done everything, and you have done it with style and panache and with passion and with energy, and you have included everybody. Leader of the Liberal Democrat group, Councillor Steve Jarvis said, Councillor Brewster has been a brilliant chair who chaired with skill and efficiency and scrupulous fairness. Also speaking in praise of Councillor Brewster was Labour Councillor Asif Khan and Green Party Councillor Ben Crystal who said she had been unflappable and unfailingly cheerful. 
Conservative councillor Leslie Greensmythe was also elected as vice-chairman. Nominating councillor Greensmythe, leader of the council Richard Roberts said she was a community champion who exuded the community spirit needed in a vice-chairman. At the meeting, councillor Greensmythe thanked outgoing vice-chairman councillor Mark Mills Bishop and she said, I am delighted and excited to be given the opportunity and honour of representing Hertfordshire and supporting Terry in his role as chairman. At the meeting, it was also noted that Liberal Democrat councillor Chris White had been a member of Hertfordshire County Council for 30 years, having first been elected on May 6th, 1993. And chairman councillor Terry Duris told the meeting that only four other members had have served longer as a county councillor since the new council was formed 50 years ago in 1973. A pub in Tring has reopened its doors after a £300,000 transformation. Six figures has been spent redesigning and renovating the Bell in Tring High Street. Far Brew will run the pub after the investment which was delivered by Green King Pub Partners. Founded in 2014, Far Brew creates its own beers in Wheatamstead and operates six other pubs across the county. Earlier this year, the brewer and pub operator won Best Rural Craft Beer Pub at the Society of Independent Brewers Association's Business Awards in 2023 for the Elephant and Castle Pub in Wheatamstead, which is also runs in association with Green King Pub Partners. The investment in the Bell was authorised in an attempt to transform the pub into a more upmarket and contemporary venue, which did not ruin the bar's history and heritage. The Bell is believed to be one of the oldest pubs in Tring. Inside, the pub has been completely redecorated with new fixtures and fittings, including new seating, lighting, tables and a newly built bar. Outside, the pub's courtyard garden has been transformed into a new eating and drinking area, designed in time for the summer weather. Externally, the pub has been painted a new colour and a new signage has been put in place to reflect the transformation of the pub. Guests can purchase Far Brews Ales alongside more commonly available beers and a food menu of pub classics plus a la carte options with light bites too all locally sourced from high-end suppliers and producers. The Bell will be open from 10, to 10 a.m. to 11 p.m., Monday to Thursday. On Fridays and Saturdays, it will open 10 a.m. to midnight, and on Sunday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. From Monday to Friday, the pub will serve brunch and then lunch from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. It will then serve dinner 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. On Saturdays, it will serve food 10 a.m. through to 9 p.m., while on Sundays, it will serve food 10 a.m. through to 5 p.m. This week in history. On June the 1st, 1953, Gordon Richards became the first jockey to be knighted. Six days later, he won the derby at his 28th attempt. And on June the 1st last year, the Prince of Wales swung into the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations at a tea dance held at his private residence in Gloucestershire. On June the 2nd, 1954, Lester Piggott, 
at 18, became the youngest jockey to win the derby when he rode Never Say Die to victory at Epsom. The Colt, a 33-to-1 outsider, won by two lengths. <clears throat> On June the 3rd, 1937, the Duke of Windsor, the abdicated King Edward VIII, married Mrs. Wallace Warfield Simpson in France. And on June the 3rd last year, key workers, charity volunteers, and members of the armed forces were invited to the Queen's service of thanksgiving in recognition of their contribution to public life. And on June the 4th, 1977, Damage, estimated at £15,000, was caused when fans dug up the Wembley football pitch after Scotland beat England 2-1. And on June 5, 1975, in Britain's first referendum, a large majority voted to stay in the common market. More than 17 million voted yes and almost 8.5 million voted no. On June the 6th, 1944, D-Day, the Allied landings on the coast of Normandy, called Operation Overlord, took place. It was the greatest seaborne invasion in history. Lime Grove Day Nursery in Hemel Hempstead had a visit from the police, and the children loved it. Usually, when the police come knocking, it's not good news but it was for the youngsters at the pop popular nursery. Following an interest in people that help us, children were delighted to welcome a police officer to the setting to learn more. At the Ofsted-rated outstanding day nursery on Park Road, preschoolers were captivated as they listened to the officer speak about his important role in keeping people safe within the community before giving the group a guided tour of the specialist police car and sirens. The Hertfordshire constable showed children the equipment he used, which inspired role-play activities back indoors, as well as answering questions from the group and sharing top tips for staying safe. Lime Grove Day Nursery team leader Robin Shuck said it was a perfect chance to teach the youngsters more about the positive impact the emergency services have on their lives and the community as a whole. This was a hugely insightful experience for the children and we are extremely grateful to the police officer for giving up his time to come and visit. Plans to invest an additional £5 million a year in children with special educational needs have been drawn up by County Council officials in Hertfordshire. In recent years, the number of children presenting with special educational needs in the county has significantly increased, and data shows the County Council has failed to keep pace with the requests from families for additional support. Now, County Council officials have drawn up proposals to recruit an additional 80 staff to support children with special educational needs and disabilities, known as SEND and their families. Leader of the County Council, Councillor Richard Roberts, revealed the multi-million pound spending plan to a meeting of the full County Council. He told councillors the five million pound a year investment would improve the resilience and efficiency of the existing service. And, as well as giving children and their families confidence, he said it would reduce the workloads of individual staff 
so they did not feel so overwhelmed or overburdened. Councillor Roberts said the additional staff would be based across the council and in schools, taking pressure away from the existing SEND teams. Further details are expected to be presented to the Cabinet within weeks for approval. But at the meeting, Councillor Roberts did point to the explosion in demand for education, health and care plans, EHCPs, in Hertfordshire and across the country, with increases of up to 16% a year. And he later said a key ambition is for applications for EHCPs to be delivered within statutory timescales. ECHPs are used to identify the education, health and social care needs of children and young people and statutory timeframes say they should be completed within 20 weeks. However, data presented to the County Council's Resources and Performance Cabinet Panel in March revealed there were 887 applications being processed by the County Council and 237 of these have been lodged within the Council in excess of 20 weeks. The additional funding has already been welcomed by Liberal Democrat County Councillors who say the decision is a direct result of their lobbying on behalf of families and children. Councillor Mark Watkin, the Liberal Democrat spokesman for Children, Young People and Families said, I am delighted that this commitment has followed from our motion at the Budget Council. Families across Hertfordshire will welcome this news. We just have to make sure the money is used appropriately to ensure better outcomes for our children. Time will show whether it is enough. He calls himself just a normal lad, but bus walker Neil Atherton has already been awarded a BEM, a British Empire Medal, for his two fundraising cross-country journeys, and he's about to start his third. The 44-year-old Areva project lead began his epic walks in aid of the Trussell Trust, which raises awareness and supports a nationwide network of food banks, after seeing a documentary about schoolchildren who had to go hungry during COVID because they relied on school meals and their schools were shut. Witness Base Neil says, It really upset me, and I decided to walk to raise money and awareness. I'd never done anything like this before, but I've already raised more than £11,500 from my previous two walks, and my goal was always to complete a trilogy. My third and last stride takes place in July, when I'll be walking 125 miles across seven of Arriva's bus regions over a period of seven days. Neil will be in Hemel on Friday, July the 14th, and will cover the 18-mile Arriva 302 route to Wellin. The next day, he'll do the final leg, 11 miles from Wood Green to Trafalgar Square, where he'll be joined by several of his colleagues for a celebration. He was nominated for a BEM, which was announced in the King's New Year's Honours list. He received it at Tatton Park last month and was also invited to a recent Buckingham Palace garden party. It was amazing, he smiles. Everyone made you feel so welcome. It's something I'll never forget. Bridge players bid their teammate turned centenarian a happy 100th birthday at the Hemel Bowls Club Pavilion. Some 50 members 
greeted long-standing player Joan Wybrow when she arrived at the weekly decorum bridge club. The now centenarian who lives in Berkhamsted learned to play in her 70s and has never looked back. She has played competitive bridge in several local clubs and has been a member of the Decorum Bridge Club for the last 25 years. Joan, a former deputy head teacher, recalled many happy times playing at the bridge table with her friends and colleagues, including her bridge partner, Chris. She was presented with a special cake, a bouquet and a birthday card, along with wishes for many more years playing the game close to her heart. The Mayor of Decorum for 2023 to 2024, Councillor William Allen. The Mayor is the first citizen of the borough and is elected to the post by fellow councillors at the annual meeting of the Council in May each year. The role of Mayor is a non-political position and during the mayoral year, a Mayor puts aside Council duties to concentrate on the role as the town's first citizen. In addition to chairing the council meeting, the mayor attends many different types of functions throughout the borough. These include representing the council at civic functions, receiving dignitaries, attending formal dinners and church services, opening events, talking to clubs and societies, and visiting schools. On occasions, the mayor hosts visits to the mayor's parlour from various groups or organisations. The Mayor also has a deputy to stand in if they are unavailable. The Mayor's correct title is the Worshipful the Mayor of the Borough of Decorum. Councillor Brenda Link was appointed Deputy Mayor for 2023 to 2024. The Mayor's Charity. In view of the cost of living crisis, the Mayor will be working with officers from Decorum Borough Council and those from Community Action Decorum to establish a resilience fund that will benefit multiple charities, especially those supporting residents in greatest need. Blaze Tap writes on fantastic places to visit thanks to my trusty pass. It's half term time again. It seems to come around that bit quicker every year. And like most parents, we've kept everything crossed that the weather will be kind to us. We've been luckier than we have with previous school holidays and the sun is due to shine most of the week, which means that we can confidently impose a screen ban safe in the knowledge that YouTube and TikTok will soon be forgotten once we get to the beach and I get the 99s in. As much as I love escaping to sunnier climes, I've never shied away from the belief that if the rain stays away, there aren't many trips that can match a British holiday by the seaside. Cornwall is our destination of choice again this year, and despite the 4am start, we leave before dawn because sleeping kids usually means peace for the first three hours, we never fail to enjoy ourselves in the nation's narrowest county. We've been regular visitors to the land of Jethro and giant pasties for the past 13 years and have little family rituals which we honour religiously. The same chippies are visited each year. We have preferred pubs, butchers and even gift shops so we can st stock up on even more rubbish to stuff into our junk cupboard when we get back home. Those years of trundling down the M5 and A38 
mean that we have had time to settle on our favourite beaches and out-of-the-way coves. But this time, I'm determined to add a bit of variety to our latest trip down to the skinny foot of the country. Much to the annoyance of the kids, I have decided to mix up this holiday with a healthy injection of culture, which means fewer trips to arcades and more time reading laminated information boards about dukes and successful tea importers who lived 400 years before free Wi-Fi and bubblegum ice cream. My newfound eagerness to soak up the history of these fascinating aisles has coincided with me becoming the owner of an annual English Heritage Family Pass, which I was persuaded to buy by a very persuasive middle-class lady wearing a lanyard, who clinched the deal by assuring me that I would save money. Lots of it. Like all price-sensitive middle-aged dads, I'm always swayed by the promise of a bargain and live for the idea of getting my money's worth out of anything. I once made seven trips to the buffet at an all-you-can-eat restaurant during one sitting. Since taking ownership of the card, I've thumbed through my complimentary guidebook to the hundreds of properties and sites that are looked after by English Heritage so frequently that I reckon that the nation's ruins and stately homes could be my specialist subject if I ever appeared on Mastermind. The idea of gaining entry to historic places of interest that I hadn't previously considered visiting now appeals to me greatly because it won't cost me a penny to enter. This week I've already booked a visit to one ancient castle and I've identified two more for us to visit during our five-day stay. Not because I'm desperate to experience all of them, but my trusty guidebook tells me that it would cost me £128 if I didn't have my card. While I realise that doing something solely to save money is not always the best of reasons, I do feel that I've learned plenty during our year of cultural enlightenment, such as that Prince Albert had an unrivalled collection of stuffed animals and birds. I hope the kids have too, but the way they huffed and puffed their way round Stonehenge last autumn, I can't be certain of it. As much as I have enjoyed using my membership card this past year, I am unsure whether I will be allowed to inflict another year of history lessons on the family. Not to worry, we still have the National Trust membership. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by what's on and any more news. Regular postage stamps without a barcode will no longer be valid after the 31st of July 2023. This follows the introduction of a six-month grace period from the initial 31st of January deadline. You can either use up your non-barcoded stamps before 31st of July or swap them for the new barcoded ones. Holiday Fraud – How to Enjoy Your Holidays Action Fraud, the National Reporting Centre for Fraud and Cybercrime, has published new data showing that in the last financial year it received 6,457 reports of holiday fraud, amounting to over £15 million lost. Victims reported losing a total of £15,319,057, a 41% increase on last year's results, which amounts to an average loss 
of £2,372 per victim. From May to August alone, more than £4.6 million was lost. With the summer months seeing the highest levels for holiday fraud reports, Action Fraud has launched a national awareness campaign to urge the public to think twice before booking a holiday so consumers don't get burned before they are on the beach. Interestingly, people in their 20s and 40s who reported losses accounted for 44% of all reports, further dispelling the myth that only older people are targeted by fraudsters. Holiday fraud encompasses many different tactics employed by criminals to dupe unsuspecting members of the public. The most frequent frauds are clone comparison websites, airline websites and holiday websites. An emerging trend is fraudsters using counterfeit air travel organising licences, ATOL, protect numbers on their fake webpage. All credible and trusted companies are provided with a number that shows the company has passed the regulatory treks by Atoll, with this number being unique to the website. Recently, fake websites have used duplicate or fabricated numbers which have been edited onto an Atoll logo. Atoll recommends double-checking all numbers on websites and with travel operators before handing over any money. If you do pay, Use a credit card, as this can offer greater protection should you lose your money. Hello, this is Gabriella. Hertfordshire Police receives the most prank calls in the UK, according to new data. Statistics uncovered by home security specialist, Simply Safe, via a Freedom of Information request, shows the highest number of prank calls were received in Hertfordshire. In Hertfordshire, between September 2020 and September 2022, 49,740 hoax calls were made, which averages out as 68 prank calls per day. Simply Safe's findings show discriminal activity is on the up in Hearts, with an increase of 27% recorded between 2021 and 2022. England, as a whole, received 91,290 hoax calls between 2020 and 2021 and 100, 102,930 between 2021 and 2022, a 13% increase in calls in a year. The biggest percentage increase year-on-year year was in London, where prank calls grew 200% in the consecutive year. However, there were some outliers with North Yorkshire Police, in particular, experiencing a 52% reduction in prank calls year-on-year, with numbers dropping from 4,968 to 2,389. UK General Manager at Simply Safe, Jonathan Wall, said, The amount of hoax calls the police received across the UK is very worrying, especially when the emergency services are stretched so thin. These calls are a waste of resources and misdirect help from the people who really need it. There are plenty of precautions and measures that the average person can take to help protect themselves. Whilst taking some pressures off the emergency services, such as camera outside your home and a good alarm system. Home office funding has been secured for a groundbreaking two-year initiative to provide effective and integrated interventions to prevent the escalation of domestic abuse in the county. 
The £3.2 million scheme will create a national centre of excellence, offering a transformational opportunity to address the problem, which can include spousal abuse, as well as that against children and parents. Welcoming the initiative, Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd said, This ambitious project will help towards our commitment to decrease the level of violence against women and girls and also male victims and children. Previous work has also identified a significant need to help those parents and siblings who can be abused by younger or grown-up children. This funding will enable the delivery of effective and integrated interventions, which include early identification of abuse in all its forms, to either stop or prevent an escalation of violence. Our Prevention First strategy sets out that it is far better to stop crime happening initially than to catch and punish an offender after they have harmed a victim. This funding will enable us to take a major step forward in reducing the incidence of violence and abuse which happen behind closed doors. Head of Victim Services and Commissioning Kevin McGettrick said, Ideally, we would not have victims of abuse in the first place, and that is why a stated objective within the County Domestic Abuse Strategy is to act before harm. This groundbreaking initiative will seek to tackle head-on the root cause of abusive behaviour and is something victims themselves have been calling for. It will see criminal justice and healthcare professionals coming together to offer solutions to ingrained abusive behaviours while providing enhanced support for victims and their families. Many domestic abusers are repeat offenders with 83% of male offenders repeating their offences within a six-month period. This makes intervening to stop their pattern of behaviour paramount to protect victims. The joint programme will run initially for two years and concentrate on domestic abuse perpetrator referral services, including an intervention delivery hub. What's on? Music by the D-Day Darlings, The King's Coronation, Grove Theatre, Dunstable, June the 4th. Following on from their success on Britain's Got Talent, the vintage favourites present a song and dance extravaganza for all generations to enjoy. Visit grovetheatre.co.uk to book. Um, Albert Lee is at the Court Theatre Tring on June the 6th. The guitar great and double Grammy winner, known for his speed of playing and his technical virtuosity, counts Eric Clapton, Dave Edmonds, Nick Lowe, Marty Wilde, Willie Nelson and Nancy Griffith among his fans. Visit courttheatre.co.uk to book. MEI Theatrical Limited presents... There's a monster in your show at Watford Palace Theatre on the 12th and 13th of October. Tom Fletcher's interactive adventures for big imaginations are leaping from page to stage as the beloved Who's In Your Book series makes its debut as a brand new musical show. A group of performers are preparing to start their show but quickly discover they are not alone on stage. Little Monster wants to be part of the fun too, with an invitation to his friends, Dragon, Alien and Unicorn to join him, you can expect comedy and chaos as they help to create a magical show, 
learning about the joy of books and friendship along the way. A high-energy 50-minute adventure featuring lively original music, this show is the perfect introduction to live theatre. Expect plenty of playful fun for your littlest ones as their favourite characters come to life in a show that is packed with interactive moments to enjoy together. There's a monster in your show and he can't wait to meet you. Tickets from £13. Saturday, 3rd of June, 2023, at 7.30pm. Concert. Music for Royal Celebrations. If the coronation festivities have got you in a regal mood, the Chiltern Chamber Choir have a fabulous concert coming up in St. Peter's with a distinctly royal flavour. Tickets. £18 in advance, under 18th free, or £20 on the door. Also at St. Peter's, on Saturday the 17th of June 2023, the Bridgewater Symphonia Concert. The Bridgewater Symphonia's final programme of their 2022-23 season is a fabulous programme of classical greats. Holst's famous Planet Suite and the Grieg Piano Concerto in A minor, played by award-winning young pianist Thomas Kelly, Advanced tickets £18, £20 on the door, under 18s free. Visit bridgewater-symphonia.org.uk Did you know that the dove emblem in the ceiling above the altar of St Peter's Berkhamsted, a symbol of the Holy Spirit, is in fact a hatch that can be lowered on pulleys? Recently, it was opened for the first time in many years for some important work. On Friday, the 19th of May, a happy band of eight bell ringers led by Mike Bilo got together with lots of cake and coffee to help two of the team from Whites of Appleton to dismantle the bells. This involved lots of different activities, starting with lowering the dove above the altar and helping it to fly away into the Lady Chapel, where it spent the day resting on a nest of kneelers. Once the dove was out of the way, the team was able to lift blocks of wood, ladders, buckets and chain hoists, plus any other necessary items, up into the ringing chamber. And then, via a chain of people, up three different ladders before arriving in the bell chamber. The bell chamber was a happy buzz of activity. As sliders were lifted, bell wheels were taken apart, clappers came out, bearings came off, Bells hoisted up and dropped onto blocks of wood. Pulley blocks came off. Somewhere in the middle of all this activity, the team had to pause as a subgroup had gone out and obtained pizza, and this desperately needed eating. With lunch over, it was back up 80 stairs into the bell chamber, and things started to come out and down. Down the ladders, over the safety barriers, and down through the hole, before processing out down the nave to the waiting vans. At the end of the day, the dove took flight again, so that it was able to peer down on Archdeacon Charles as he was collated on Saturday. It was as if nothing had happened during the whole day, and it had just been a figment of people's imagination. Immediately prior to this activity, the clock hammers had been removed so that they did not get damaged during the work with the bells sitting on blocks of wood and the clock hammers out of the way, the clock will continue to show the time, but will not be striking for a while. 
The garden of Abbeygate House, the home of the Bishop of St Albans, will be open to the public this summer, every Sunday afternoon from the 18th of June to the 6th of August between 2 and 4pm. Come and enjoy the beautiful two-acre garden in the historic heart of St Albans. Entrance, £4 per person, accompanied children free, in aid of the Hearts and Beds Historic Churches Trust. Abbeygate House is in Abbey Mill Lane, St Albans, AL34HD. Highlights from Hertfordshire County Show 2023. Last weekend, Hertfordshire's music service relocated to the county show for the weekend to showcase what they could offer to budding musicians across the county. Many Hertfordshire residents came to watch performances from samba music to choirs. Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service are offering free safe and well visits. Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service were at the county show last weekend, accompanied by their mascot. Residents visiting their stand were informed of the free safe and well visit. Families are set to flock to Hemel Hempstead's outdoor pool when it opens for the summer season on Saturday, June the 3rd. The 25 metre outdoor pool at the Leisure Centre, managed by Everyone Active in partnership with the Coram Borough Council, is hugely popular with the local community. In addition to the outdoor pool, there is a kids paddling pool. The cost for outdoor pool sessions will be £7.60 for adults and £5.20 for juniors. Concessions for those aged 60 and above, with under fives able to swim for free. David Tenney, General Manager of Everyone Active, said, We are really looking forward to welcoming families for the summer and to seeing everyone enjoy our superb outdoor pool. We also have a, a smaller kids paddling pool with fountains and both of our pools are heated, ensuring you can stay warm in the water. Picnic benches with parasols make it the perfect destination for a family day out. Swimming is a hugely important life skill and the Lido allows people of all ages and abilities to enjoy a range of activities. For more information, phone Hemel Hempstead Leisure Centre on 507-100. It is the arena where dreams are made and shattered in equal measure and ahead of the FA Cup final on June the 3rd between Manchester City and Manchester United, we take a look at 100 years of the iconic Wembley Stadium. The original Wembley Stadium with its iconic gleaming white twin towers opened its doors in 1923. The year will always be affectionately known as the White Horse FA Cup final when Horse Billy and his rider George Scorey attempted to control 200,000 exuberant spectators as they burst into the stadium and spilled onto the pitch. In 1927, the hymn Abide With Me is sung for the first time before the FA Cup final, and it becomes the stadium's pre-cup final anthem. In 1928, the old enemy Scotland came to Wembley Stadium. They helped to set a new record attendance for a Wembley England men's match with a crowd of 80,868. The Rugby League Challenge Cup final made its Wembley debut in 1929. 
1948, the Olympics came to Wembley Stadium. It features track and field, football, hockey, lacrosse and equestrian events. The year 1953 will always be known as the Matthews FA Cup Final. Stanley Matthews finally won a winner's medal as Blackpool beat Bolton Wanderers 4-3. In 1954, American evangelist Billy Graham attracted 120,000 to the stadium. The FA Cup final of 1956 between Manchester City and Birmingham City is remembered for City's keeper Bert Troutman playing the last 17 minutes with a broken neck. It's 1966 and England men's team play all their games at Wembley en route to winning the Jules Rimet Trophy. Manchester United lift the European Cup in 1968, beating Benfica 4-1 after extra time. West Brom beat Everton 1-0 in the first final to broadcast on TV in colour in 1968. The FA Cup was 100 years old in 1981, and Wembley hosts the centenary final between Spurs and Manchester City, a one-all draw. In front of 70,000 fans, the multi-act Live Aid concert is held. Alongside the other Live Aid stage at Philadelphia's JFK Stadium, the concert is broadcast live to more than 1 billion people across 110 countries and raises more than £30 million. In 2003, the stadium's famous Twin Towers were taken down brick by brick and the rubble used in the new stadium's construction. Wembley's 133-metre-tall arch is lifted into place in 2004. After some test events, Wembley officially reopens in 2007. In 2022, England hosts the Women's European Championships, which they win, beating Germany 2-1. Local football. SPL Division 1 Central Champions Berkhamsted have announced the appointment of Steve Heath as their new manager following the resignation of Chris Devane. Devane joined Berkhamsted in June 2020 and guided Berko to the league title in style, finishing 19 points clear of second-placed Biggleswade FC. But the club have cited financial constraints as the driving force behind parting company with Devane. An official statement read, The owners of the club have impressed upon the board the need to run the club on a financially prudent basis and unfortunately, due to budgetary constraints, the club and Chris have taken the difficult decision to part company. The club thanks Chris and his backroom team for their tireless efforts on behalf of the comrades, culminating in the league and cup double in 2022-2023, the most successful season in the club's history. The hard work and dedication of Chris and his team was exemplary in non-league football, and everyone at Burko wishes Chris every success in his future endeavours, both in football and personally. In Devane's place comes Heath, who stood down as manager of AFC Dunstable at the end of the season, having enjoyed tremendous success at Creasy Park, including the Spartan South Midlands League title that saw them promoted to Step 4. In the 2021-22 season, Heath guided the club to third in the league and a playoff spot, as well as a record-breaking Emirates FA Cup campaign taking the club to the third qualifying round. 
Heath announced he was stepping down in March after over 400 games in charge. He told Berkhamsted's website, only a very special opportunity would have tempted me back into management and this is that opportunity. Everybody at Burko knows this will be a real challenge and we'll need to pull together as a club to meet that challenge. I'm excited to get started. Offer. Offer. UK breaks by coach from Hamel Hampstead to scenic Shropshire and Severn Valley Railway. Departing Thursday, 3rd of August, 2023. Take a tour on the scenic side and explore the natural beauty of Shropshire. We enjoy many exciting excursions, including a journey on the Severn Valley Railway, entrance to the Bliss Hill Museum, a relaxing cruise along the River Severn and more. Your break includes return coach travel from Hamel Hampstead, four nights at the Holiday Inn Birmingham Broms Grove with dinner and breakfast, heritage train journey on the Severn Valley Railway, cruise on the River Severn with light refreshments, excursions to Ludlow Market and Bliss Hill Museum. Five days by coach, only 329 pounds. For more information or to book, please call 03332-342-519 and quote JPM. Or visit us online at justgoholidays.com slash JPM. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 4.45 and a.m. and 9.15 p.m. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after recording each week on a Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhamel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly, turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail postbox. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Joe, your technician for this week. Goodbye. <laughs>